up everybody a little bit of a different day and time for you for the orange and black insider Bengals podcast where myself anthony kazenza and my partner in crime right there john sheeran talk to you about those cincinnati Bengals, a team that just manages to continue to keep things interesting despite losing one of the best players in the entire nfl a couple of weeks ago the Bengals just still grab headlines and take care of business when it seems like they shouldn't have. And we talked about it on the post game show a couple nights ago. And now we're going to talk a little bit further about it. Cause I want to get my guy, John's take on some things as well as preview the upcoming Colts game. Again, I'm Anthony. He's John. John, what's going on, buddy? Just wow. Honestly, like th- this team continues to just make the biggest statements possible on the biggest stages, I mean, w- w- what is it? I think their past two wins have been in primetime, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, the um, primetime game against the Ravens didn't work out because of a certain injury or anything. But when everyone, rightfully so, for good reason, has, is counting them out and just basically crossing them out of the playoff race, they managed to just make some key adjustments and keep this thing going. They managed to keep it going. And here, uh, hey, not great news for the tank for a top pick crowd, <laughs> as Mr. Whisper, Mr. Generosity notes in his YouTube super chat. If you want to have your comment or question be answered on the air, of course, super chats are the quickest route in order to do so. We always seem to get those on the air. And if we haven't for some reason, apologies, but uh, we definitely take uh, those into account. So thank you, Mr. Whisper. But yeah, I mean, this Bengals win 34 31. And they take care of business in overtime in a game against a team that, you know, it was gunning for the number one seed. And again, I mean, I look at the AFC right now, John, and really, I mean, kind of just around the league in general. But you look at around the AFC in particular. uh, Yes, it's a shame that Burrow went down, of course, because you feel like, man. You know, you see Kansas City go down to uh, Green Bay on Sunday night. Jacksonville loses to a backup quarterback that the Bengals have um, on Monday night. You've seen weaknesses and vulnerabilities. The AFC South kind of just is hanging around in there. That you know, a few of the teams got winning records and they're they're doing some good things there. But um, you know, there's not really an overly overly dominant team. I mean, I guess you could say the Baltimore Ravens, but who knows what would have happened on that game had Burrow stayed healthy on that Thursday night? So. There's a lot of questions with a lot of these teams, and there are paths to get into the postseason. 
And, and even with these teams, a number of teams throughout the NFL that have backup quarterbacks like the Bengals forced to start, there are not only paths to the playoffs, but potentially through them as evidenced by what the Bengals did to Jacksonville the other night. Yeah, there's still a ton of work for the AFC playoff picture to kind of settle itself. Like you said, Jacksonville, had they beaten the Bengals on Monday night, would have been the number one seed. Now it's the Miami Dolphins, who have looked great at times this year, but have also not yep. looked so great against quality yep. teams. The Ravens are still pretty good. I think we can all agree upon that. They had a bye this week. They were at, sitting at the top for a couple of weeks ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs, who I believe have dropped two straight to both the Eagles and the um, the Green Bay Packers recently. And then, of course, you have the Jags sitting at the five seed, or sitting at the four seed. And then you have two AFC North teams who are both in, in the wild card spots right now. Both of them currently are starting backup quarterbacks. And, of course, the other wild card team, who the Bengals are facing this week, are also starting to back up quarterback, though he looks pretty good. Gardner Minshew under new head coach Shane Steichen, and we're going to talk more more about that. But it's been just a brutal year for quarterbacks, and it was just so disheartening to see Trevor Lawrence be the latest victim to this. Luckily, it, it, it appears that his injury is not very serious. It's the benefit of having those flexible ankles, man. When you're 23, 24 years old, and you can still move like that, and you can absorb some <laughs> of those hits. So th- thank God that he's okay. I-, I guess he suffered a very similar injury to this either earlier this year, maybe last year, but it's just been brutal, and it just creates just this wide-open uh, playoff race like we're w- watching right now. Yeah, when I mean, when Lawrence went down with that injury, I mean, he's throwing the helmet. He can't really walk, and you're going, man, is it, was that Achilles? Well, I mean, what what happened there? It, uh, kind of worst-case scenario, and you go, man, there are so many co- starting quarterbacks across the league where you go, geez, uh, just, you know, missing so many time. And, oh, by the way, a number of those starting quarterbacks that are missing time and those teams forced to play backup quarterbacks – a lot of them are coming up for the Cincinnati Bengals in this last stretch here. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Before we do, John, I talked a bit about this on the post-game show. Definitely want to get your take on – I know you've put out some some great tweets on on the, the game plan and, and Browning's performance. Um, there was still some, some, some of the leftover frustrating elements of his game, you know, the real short stuff that went basically nowhere, the, the, the wide receiver screens and, um, you know, the, the trying to set up the screens to the running backs that kind of went nowhere. Um, he definitely seemed more comfortable this week and throwing the ball. He does not have any issue, whether it was last week or this week, throwing into traffic. <laughs> We've seen him throw some balls into traffic and, uh, for the most part, thankfully, because of Jamar Chase, there have been a lot of different precarious throws that have been near turnovers that end up being big plays for the Bengals, whether it was against the Steelers or the Jaguars. But your evaluation of Jake Browning and the differences in the game plan this week, there were some elements to me. There were some elements that felt like it was a little bit what they did with Burrow, but not. it, it definitely was a transition from what we saw in the Steelers game. Yeah, I mean, we can go through the timeline here pretty easily, right? Burrow goes down, Browning goes in against the Ravens, and he takes them a little bit by surprise just because it's the back of coming into the game. Then they have like a week and a half to prepare for the Steelers. And Browning, because he said this in his press conference, he said, don't change anything. I want essentially the same game plan, the same playbook that, that the Bengals run under Joe Burrow. So they did that. They listened to him because that's what he wanted, and he ran the Burrow offense into the dirt against the Steelers. Pretty, pretty um, predictably, right? The Steelers have a good defensive line. They're a divisional opponent. They know the Bengals inside and out. So they tried to run the same offense that Joe Burrow runs very efficiently when he's healthy. 
and he was not good at all. The box score painted a much different picture than what the film did. So he and the Bengals had a coming to Jesus moment saying, hey, I'm not really comfortable, you know, going out of empty and holding the ball and going through these full field reads, you know, that a starting quarterback can do. So what can I do that I'm actually comfortable with? And I think Browning kind of had this realization. The coaches put together a completely different game plan because now you had Browning going out of the pocket, whether it be play action, bootlegs, rollouts, sprint outs. You had him using his legs and throwing on the run, which he's very comfortable with. You had him getting the ball out quicker. His average time to throw went down from 2.7 seconds last week to 2.3 seconds this week. You had the offensive line protecting different. You had them only in true pass uh, sets protecting 25% of the time compared to 36% of the time the, uh, the past week. You just had him not even pushing the ball down the field as much. Like you said, you, you they just spammed wide receivers screens to Jamar Chase throughout the first quarter, which didn't really lead to anything. Maybe it set up some of those deep shots later later on in the game, but you made everything more simplified for the back for the backup quarterback, which you should do, right? You can't just expect him, even if he is similar in some ways to the starter, you can't just expect him to do all the advanced and intricate things right. that Joe Burrow can do. That's why you have Joe Burrow, right? That's the whole point of getting that elite quarterback because he can do anything in the playbook. And when you know, Joe Burrow's operating out of empty and he's getting the ball out quickly. He's making these post-processing decisions. The offense runs very efficiently. You just can't really replicate that with the backup. So kudos to not only, you know, Zach Taylor and also Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach, who had a really good uh, integral role in developing all this. But also, you, know, you have to give credit to Jake Browning because while I think the, the game plan greatly enhanced his production to this one, at the end of the game, like Zach Taylor couldn't hold his hand anymore, right? It was it was the end of the fourth quarter, and they needed yep. to get into field goal range. Unfortunately, they couldn't. They, they had just a couple of short completions that didn't get anywhere. But it was like, okay, we, we can't hide you with the playbook now. You have to make these throws. You have to get us into field goal range. Unfortunately, they couldn't do it at the end of the fourth quarter. But when overtime came, that throw to, that throw to Jamar Chase, like that's not easy, right? He was going from uh, the boundary side to the, to the backside dig, which is the NFL-level type of a throw and read, and he put it around the money. Of course, Jamar Chase made that incredible catch, but that was a very impressive throw by uh, Jake Browning. And then the very next play, he waited until T got out of his break. T cooked Tyson Campbell, whoever the Jaguars cornerback was. That was another big play. So kudos to Jake Browning for making those grown-up big boy throws after a game where it was basically it was the entire game plan was surrounded by his strengths, which is, again, what should happen. I believe Chandler was the one on the coverage for the big, big yeah. throw to chase the 76 yarder as well. So a guy that they were just getting back that they were excited about, but uh, a rough night back for him. Uh, I think he had had some injury stuff earlier this year. Um, when you say true pass sets as well with the offensive line, it, is that attributed because, you know, the, we, we, we have, we saw in the game and we've read about after the game that there was an increase in RPO stuff um, this week as, as opposed to last. So I assume that's kind of where you're attributing the true pass sets decrease because of an increase in RPO type of type of play calls and, right. and just running the football more. Yeah. It's honestly a combination of those like true pass sets, according <laughs> to PFF excludes plays with less than four pass rushers, uh, play action passes, screen passes, no short dropbacks and any time to throw is under two seconds. So naturally, because the run pass balance in, against the Steelers was completely out of whack because they couldn't run the ball, right? Like everyone is saying, well, it's about time they ran the ball. It's about time they ran the ball effectively. Like it didn't take, it took them no time to get Chase Brown involved in this game. I think he had more carries in the first two drives than Joe Mixon did. And of course, as soon as he gets the opportunity, as soon as he gets the hole, he showed why he was drafted. He has that explosion and that elusiveness and that break tackle, miss force, miss tackle ability that you know Joe Mixon used to have more in spades. But of course, Brown is a lot more fresh. He's got a lot less tread or a lot more tread on the tire, if you will. So it was great to see Chase Brown 
more involved in this game. I think it was the spark that the run game kind of needed. And when it works like that, you can lean on it more. And of course, you can run play action off of it. So it was more balanced and it created maybe an easier game for the offensive line compared to other times when they just have to rely on the passing game because the run's not working those weeks. Yeah. Well, I want to go here because this is kind of the next talking point, which would be is was the win a fluke? Or a trend because I, I think we're all pretty excited about what we saw. We're excited about what Jake Browning showed, but uh, 86.5% completion percentage uh, in this game. I mean, it, he just he looked every bit the part. The Bengals were running the ball a little bit more effectively. T. Higgins having an effect in this game, him just being out there, even though he didn't have a big, I think he had what three catches for 39 yards or something like that. Um, <clears throat> him being out there, though, is obviously a, a big just drawing attention away from Chase. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, here here are what the naysayers would say about this, John. Okay, of course, Lawrence leaving the game early. What was that, in the early middle part of the fourth quarter? So, I mean, he missed essentially a quarter and a half of football, if you include overtime, right? And then, of course, you know, you look at it and you go, well, you know, how good is the Jaguars' defense comparative to a, a defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers? Jaguars have some good players, obviously, on that defense, but – um, I think as a unit, not as strong overall uh, as as the Jaguars. Um, so, I mean, you look at this game here, and we'll talk about who the Bengals have ahead as well, and the quarterbacks manning those teams. But when you look at this game, was this just like, ah, you know, that one of those flash in the pan type of things and Bengals kind of catching light, lightning in a bottle type of thing? Um, or is this kind of trending towards a trend, something where they can kind of ride this momentum and start stringing a few more wins together here and make a a wild card push. It's interesting because, I mean, obviously the offense had to have this type of performance to win because the defense was kind of being its usual. They didn't give up a ton on the ground. They didn't give up a ton of explosive plays with the run game, but it was still a lot of, you know, pretty long drives. Methodical drives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Jags still had success on the offense, and I don't think you can expect – 
34 points, albeit in five quarters, from this Bengals offense every week. It's the big talking point, though, because everyone is saying this is this was the game that people were waiting for for Zach Taylor of, about actually being creative with his play calling and, and trying to make everything easier than, than what it usually is under Joe Burrow. The problem is I don't know if it's, a, if it's as sustainable as their normal offense is when it's running at full efficiency. I, I think what, once this tape is out there with Jake Browning and all the play-action bootlegs and getting rolling out of the pocket, I don't know how, mu- how many explosive plays you can continue to create on this when, once – you know, teams kind of know what's coming at this point. I think the, the more Jake Browning plays, the more you have to trust him to make the big boy throws and to have and to have success in standard regular drop dropback situations. And even then, like in those situations in in this game, he still you know looked like the regular Jake Browning that we kind of knew. Like he held the ball long too too long. There was a couple sacks that he t- that he took that he shouldn't have taken. And I don't know. I still don't know how much you trust his decision-making. They definitely called this this game like they don't trust his decision-making. And again, credit to him. He made some good throws there. But um, I, I don't know if the offense can look like this every week. I think we can have a larger discussion about how this offense has to marry in some ways the, the traditional Joe Burrow offense to make the best possible product. I just have I just have questions about how sustainable this is unless they can run the ball like this every single week. And, it, and again, Joe Mixon didn't have like his best game ever. Like the two touchdowns right. definitely help, especially for fantasy points. But you know, he could have been a little bit more efficient too. I think the the combination of both Mixon and Brown look like what we had hoped it would from the beginning of the yeah. season. Now that Brown's actually getting his opportunities, maybe this will start to pick up a little bit. So if they can run the ball with, with this level of success, I think Browning can continue to be fine. But I'm curious to see what other tweaks they're going to have to make on offense because I don't know if it can look this gimmicky every week. The, and the gimmicks didn't really work, obviously, yeah. with the wide receiver stuff. I mean, that, that was just kind of – and you look at this game again – and I talked about this on the post game where you talk about, you know, the game of inches, that that cliche, that tired motto. But I mean, in this one, it just felt really true because of McPherson doinking a 57 yarder off the crossbar, barely missing that. Dax Hill having his hands on an interception in the end zone. And not only did he not catch it, but it goes in the away. It's a 14 point, you know, whatever point swing potentially or 10 point swing type of thing. If the Bengals were able to get some form of points off of that, where he gets the ball and instead the Bengals, you know, get a touchback and maybe start doing something with it. But instead it's a touchdown for the Jaguars. So there are these things where you go, okay, well, yeah, maybe the Bengals had, there's an argument to be had about them being a fluke in this game, but there were some plays that were really fluky that went against them that, uh, you know, normally that, I mean, I, I can't really remember a play like the Dax Hill, interception in his hands then went right into the other guys i mean it, it just doesn't happen very often uh, so i mean i think there's an argument to be made there i'm gonna say this though john there are two things that really stuck out to me after the outcome of this game and number one was the passion in which many Bengals players felt about this win and how they went and they were digging up tweets from other people, our buddy Willie Lutz was the target of one from from Cheeto. Um, you know, Orlando Brown, the jackass thing that he kept yelling, at, you know, and and pulling up, you know, pulling up tweets from people saying, you know, the, the Bengals aren't going to win. There's no way they're going to win, all this kind of stuff. And and they were really psyched and jazzed about this particular win. Um, so I that tells me that obviously, you know, this losing of the locker room or any of that kind of stuff. I, I don't really 
subscribe to that. I didn't really subscribe to that. I, obviously, there's going to be a noticeable deflation in morale with Burrow being out. But I think they they still have belief that even without him, they can they can make some noise. And I think when you look at their reaction in this game, that kind of proved it. And then to me, John, you talked about the game plan, the alterations to it, catering to uh, Jake Browning, his strengths. Troy Aikman talked about in the telecast about, you know, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, and the Brain Trust essentially having three different offensive systems that they've had to come up with this year. The Burrow Calf offensive system, the Full Go Burrow offensive system, and then the Jake Browning offensive system. And when you look at that, John, and regardless, I could be eating crow here next Sunday afternoon, next Monday, I don't know. But when you look at what Zach Taylor has managed to do, I mean, again, backup quarterback on the road, playoff bound team, divisional leader, and and they win a huge playoff game, a huge primetime game when seemingly their season is spiraling out of control, much like that 2020 game against Pittsburgh. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff where you go, I, I know we've been critical of Zach Taylor, the play caller at times, et cetera. But when you take a step back and look at some of these other things and, and the accomplishment and getting this win and how it was done, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. I mean, he's done this before, right? Like this is not the first time uh, he's coached a Monday night football game as a severe underdog and one with a backup, right? The Ryan Finley game sticks yep. out like a sore thumb. And obviously it's such an exception to, to the offense that, uh, he normally runs because they just took advantage of these of these uh, read option plays that Ryan Finley just managed to walk all over <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, like he in five years, man, like the uh, the evolution of his offense has been substantial considering where he came from and what his roots were for his offensive identity. He doesn't get enough credit for how malleable the, the offensive system has been specifically over the past three years, you know, because in 2021, it was just chuck it up to Jamar because teams for whatever reason, weren't respecting his deep ability. And then they, they ran into run game issues to start the 2022 season. And they completely altered the run game to make it one of the more efficient ones in the NFL. Then they dealt with obviously Burrow being on one leg for, for a whole month. And then once he ended up being healthy again, again, it was one of the best offenses in the NFL. And of course he's had to change it again because the quarterback changed again because of another Burrow injury. So the, the amount of adjustments, mid season adjustments that he's had to make to his offense. And just over the course of his career, it's definitely, it definitely goes unnoticed. And I think, in, in some parts, it's like, oh, well, why didn't these changes come sooner? It's hard to enact midseason changes, especially when you already have an install actually, you know, installed with your players. And there's only so much time in practice that you can work on and everything. But, you know, games like this are, are why I, I think players love to play under Zach Taylor, just because they kind of thrive in these moments. And they're definitely culture changing or culture establishing type of type of games and environments and everything. And, yeah, they, they definitely seem to thrive under these circumstances. They do. I, I just to kind of close up this before we transition to, you know, um, Colts talk. Well, there's a couple things. Number one, let's talk about the schedule that the Bengals have left in front of them. Of course, they have the Colts this week. Gardner Minshew, arguably the best backup quarterback in the NFL, playing pretty well for the Colts, but a backup quarterback nonetheless. The Bengals have another game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett now out. He had surgery, right, on a, on his ankle, I believe. And so he is out. Um, you have the Minnesota Vikings. They have Josh Dobbs because Kirk Cousins is out. And then you have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, of course, you have the, the Kansas City Chiefs as well. 
But then you have the Cleveland Browns who played Joe Flacco and then sent him back down to the practice squad after last week. So who knows who's going to be starting there. Of the five games remaining, what is that, four four backup quarterbacks the Bengals are set to face uh, with, with teams? So, I mean, Minshew could maybe start for a team here or there. I mean, you could, you could make that argument. But, I mean, that is – I mean, that creates a workable way, even without Burrow, for this team to make the playoffs. And then maybe some of those teams end up in the playoffs again. And you go again, some of these guys can have shown to be beatable here and there, just bad weeks here and there. So I, I, again, one, one week, they've got to take it one at a time and all of that, but there is a path that is set in front of them, John, based on the schedule and based on the quarterbacks they face or don't face where you go, man, this is, shaping up to be a very intriguing end of the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, if you get 450-somewhat yards of offense every single week, then you can beat pretty much most, if not all, backup quarterbacks or teams starting backup quarterbacks in the NFL. That's that's the thing. That's the main reason why, especially, you have to treat it week to week because you honestly just don't know what you're going to get out of Jake Browning every single week or just the run game in general. So two back-to-back home games against the Colts and Vikings. You know, Josh Dobbs has kind of fallen off the rails here a little bit, but I think he's still been impressive. The Vikings still love to blitz as a defense, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, the one the one quarterback who's not a backup that's left on the schedule, he's, he's only Patrick Mahomes playing at home, so that's going to oh, be yeah, tough him. as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> just just casually. Still have issues against the Browns, regardless about who, who's the quarterback or not. And winning right. at Heinz Field is always a tough one, too. So it, it's it's give and take. There's positives and negatives with this remaining schedule. And I think once you don't have that known commodity at quarterback, it just creates a lot more variables. But at the very least, man, because at the end of the first quarter, when, mind you, so many people on Twitter were like, let's just see what Agent McCarron has because Jake Browning is not it, right? The, the, the whole narrative with Jake Browning changed in three quarters. And all of a sudden you have national pundits saying, is he one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL? When for five quarters, he's like, this guy's just not good. This is the reason why he was in the right. battle with, with Trevor Simeon in, in the preseason, right? So I was just scared that, oh man, if this first quarter, if, if nothing has truly changed since that Steelers game, this is going to be a long long final five weeks of the season at the very least now with the changes that they made to the offense it is going to be interesting and that's all i can ask for it's also kind of kind of a funny turn of events where you know you call for mccarran and then mccarran the only sight you see is him out on the coin toss for overtime uh <laughs> and then he calls the, he calls it wrong on the on the yeah. on the coin toss but uh yeah no um get, kudos to jake brown and kudos to the staff this week for sure it looked it looked like it looked like it was firing on most, if not all, cylinders uh, throughout most of that game. So, but it will take not only not necessarily the same type of performance from Jake Browning, but similar ones, and that defense needs to come up with um, some of those timely turnovers that they've had throughout the year in order to get you know if the Bengals are going to make this playoff push here. Um, not as many of those this last week. They did get to the quarterback more this week, but. Um, you know, the turnovers came at a premium and they will continue to come at a premium with Cam Taylor Britt now on IR uh, with his own wet ankle injury. Right. So, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the Bengals are going to need to do some different things here in order to make that playoff push. We're going to talk about the Colts game for just a little bit before we do want to remind folks to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can do so with the show icon underneath the Cincy Jungle icon on John's side of the screen there. Click that 
click the subscribe button, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and when we have all kinds of different stuff going on. Give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing on the videos. We appreciate that. Give a thumbs up on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. There's about 80,000, 85,000 people on that one, so go check that out. And if you like the audio side of things, you can subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer, whether that is iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, any of those. We should be on there for you. Our show, the Orange and Black Insider, um, Coach Speaking Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick is on our channel. Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. They always have some fun guests on that show. And, of course, Three and Out with Jason and Kevin, all part of the podcast slate. So go check out all of that. And, of course, my guy John writing over at A to Z Sports.com. Go check out what he's doing covering the AFC North. And while you're at it, go to CincyJungle.com for your Bengals news, reports, etc. Okay. <laughs> now, shameless self-promotion aside, my friendo. Let's talk about this week. Now, this is an intriguing Colts team. This looked like one of the more winnable games uh, uh, early this season, but that's also with healthy Joe Burrow. That's the unknown with Anthony Richardson. But really, Richardson was playing pretty decent before he went down, and now Minshew comes in playing pretty de- decent. And what they are, 7-5 and five right now, um, are, the, are the Indianapolis Colts. And that AFC South, which – originally was thought to be somewhat of a dumpster fire going into this season all of a sudden it's pretty hyper competitive you got the jags that are you know into last week we're chasing the number one seed you've got the the colts as i mentioned at seven and five the the texans i think are at seven and five as well so um you got a pretty competitive division there and so the Bengals have their hands full this week the colts to me feel like a team john that just kind of does everything decent um they 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 don't really strike me as you know oh bombs away or oh you know they're gonna you know ground and pound they do that pretty well but just across the board it just seems like yeah they're they're pretty good at that yeah they're okay at that yeah they're okay like they just kind of are an evenly balanced team even with a backup quarterback uh, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Colts football. I, I did see the the game where they were absolutely robbed by the refs against the Browns. I believe that was like back in week seven, you know, when they scored 38 points with Gardner Minshew. I think that was like Minshew's second or third start of the season. And, and Minshew himself has not necessarily been lighting the world on fire. I think naturally, though, like the story of Minshew has always been like he's starting for uh, either – injured quarterbacks or he's on teams with like young quarterbacks and he gets the he gets the ball first and he plays pretty well at least to start enough to make you question like should this guy be the starter over the other guy it was Trevor Lawrence it was Jalen Hurts it's now starting to maybe be Anthony Richardson it all ends up being the same though like the the actual starter ends up being better and the cycle kind of continues but Minshew has proven to be one of the more reliable um, and dependable backups in the league. And I think that's just continuing to be the case this year. They're on a four-game win streak, albeit two of those wins are against the two worst teams in the league and the Panthers and the Patriots. They beat the Buccaneers. They beat the Titans most recently by three. So it hasn't been exactly the, the craziest schedule by any means. But I think the biggest takeaway, though, and I think everyone can, can kind of agree on this, Shane Steichen is looking like one of the best first-year head coaches that we've seen in a while. I think his offensive system works. It got Zach Moss to like lead the NFL in rushing yards. I don't even know if he still does, but 
both him and Jonathan Taylor have been running the ball pretty well, at least when Taylor's been healthy. I think his offensive system works, and I think it's taking advantage of still a pretty decent offensive line for the Colts. You got Alec, Alec Pierce playing pretty well with Minshew throwing the ball. So mm-hmm. th- that looks to be a good hire, and I think it's an offense that the Bengals definitely have to respect. They have to respect, and the Bengals have some issues on defense, not only you know statistically stopping uh, stopping the run overall this year and getting off the field in other ways than forcing a turnover. But also, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Cam Taylor Britt being injured and out on IR. So, John, here is the injury report. We'll, uh, this is on CincyJungle.com. We'll put this up for and walk people through this as of Wednesday. So let's check this out here. And the big one here, we just talked him up about how great this looked here with Mixon and Brown, and all of a sudden he is limited on this week's report. And uh, here's another update from Jay Morrison, who is with Pro Football Network. You can kind of see some stuff going on there, but uh, Davis Gaither on the report as well. Let's see if we've got the chart here. I thought we did. Um, Maybe we don't. Um, So at any rate, uh, you can see here, though, Sam Hubbard, Akeem Davis Gaither, BJ Hill had veteran rest days. Um, Joe Williams resting a back. um, Well, they were limited. Jonah Williams and Chase Brown limited. um, And Chase Brown with that hamstring issue. So we'll have to see going forward. And then, of course, Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Um, did not practice EJ, uh, EJ Speed, Braden Smith, and cornerback Juju Brents um, did not practice either on Wednesday. DeForest Buckner and Tyquan Lewis practiced in full. Um, so, uh, and then uh, uh, Grover Stewart had a suspension and he rejoined the team there. So, um, not a ton of surprises overall. I guess Brown would be the biggest surprise with his hamstring there showing up as limited, but. That may be precautionary just as he's coming back from IR, being activated, et cetera. Right. And you got to remember, like, the hamstring is the reason why Chase Brown was on I or he was on IR for four weeks. Right. He suffered a hamstring injury right before the 49ers game. So he missed four weeks, obviously played more total snaps in this Monday night game than he had, like, all season. So could just be a new thing, could just be maintenance on it, whatever the case may have been. He would have practiced at least in some capacity, considering today was like a walkthrough or whatever. Um, and Jonah Williams, you know, credit to him. You know, this is only, I think, only the second time he's been on the injury report this year. You know, he's obviously had a history with injuries, but he's played every single snap. He's played through, I guess, I think a shoulder injury a couple weeks ago. So right now, it, it seems seems pretty good con- considering, you know, all the injuries that they've suffered in the past several weeks. And it was good to get, obviously, uh, Higgins and Wilson back last week. So keys this week, um, you know, we're seeing a couple people saying, you know, the Colts are second in the league in, in quarterback sacks. So that is one of the areas in which they are um, more than decent. They are <laughs> pretty dang good at that. But the uh, to me, there's a couple of uh, a couple of things. And the major one, I mean, the Bengals have to win the turnover battle. And by winning it, I'm not saying they turn it over three times and the Colts turn it over three. I'm saying the Bengals need to have zero, maybe one, and force multiple, two, three, um, depending on the, the situation there. That's one key for me, John. And then they have to avoid the second and eights, the second and nines, the, the third and sevens. They need to kind of get more manageable situations here because, 
as you see, if they can get to the quarterback, can can the Indianapolis Colts. But you're playing with fire with a backup quarterback when you continue to have these long-distance second and third downs. Um, now, the Bengals, later in the game, they ended up kind of getting those third and shorts and that sort of thing, As especially on that you know overtime drive. Mixon got a, a real tough uh, yard on a third and four inches type of thing. Um, but <clears throat> to me, that you just got to make life a little easier on your backup quarterback and on your offense in general. You can't be in these second and eights, second and nines, third and sevens, that sort of thing. You got to kind of get five yards and in uh, as often as you can on second down and third down for this offense. Yeah, staying, I mean, staying ahead of the chains is always going to be important. I think specifically with this game, Colts and their defense, I mean, it's it's coordinated by Gus Bradley, who knows Joe Burrow and his family very well. Gus Bradley defenses have typically given Joe Burrow fits with, with turnovers or just limiting explosive plays, coordinated them for, I, th- I think, the Raiders uh, in his, in, in the Chargers in, in the past couple of years. But now he's with the Colts, and their defense – is so like there's such a di- uh, stark dichotomy between their pass defense and the run defense. They are arguably the worst run defense in, in the NFL. They're last in success rate allowed and second to last in uh, EPA per play allowed. But they are both top ten in dropback EPA and dropback success rate. So they're really good at, at the, stopping the pass, not so good at stopping the run. So this is a formula for if, if Joe Mixon and Brown can't like get some efficiency and success against this Colts defense. It's going to be putting a lot of pressure on Jake Bryan, a lot of unnecessary pressure. I, I just think they're really good at forcing, creating muddy pockets, and it's going to have another emphasis on getting him out of the pocket and getting creative and not putting a lot of the emphasis on the offensive line protecting for two and a half and three seconds in the straight dropback situation. So they're going to have to utilize a lot of the same concepts that they did against the Jaguars and keep keep having an emphasis on the run game. But again... You can't force the run game to make it work. It just has to. It just has to work. And if it doesn't work against this Colts defense, it's going to be a problem. It will be a problem. I'm counting eight fumbles by Minshew this year. Um, can't see how many are lost of those, but fumbled the ball eight times. Has a career high of interceptions with the second most attempts of his career, but it's still only seven. So, I mean, all in all, he's he's taking care of the football at a pretty decent rate, um, not throwing, you know, uh, not averaging a pick a game or that sort of thing. So, um, you know, turnovers may be at a premium for the Cincinnati Bengals, but if the defense is going to continue its issues of stopping the run and getting off of the field, they're going to need to kind of rely on what got them on that big win streak in the middle of this season, which is t- creating turnovers. They have to create turnovers sack fumbles, get an interception, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that is going to be a very big key as well as, again, just kind of making drives more manageable and easier on yourself on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to digest here. Um, I, I don't know. How, how are you feeling about the Bengals – secondary at this point no cam taylor Britt, who had the team lead in interceptions uh woozier has been i guess a little hit and miss with coming back from that that injury last year he's starting to kind of play a little bit better here back as a, you know one of the starters turner i think has made a lot of good plays there's been a couple of kind of you know expected rookie issues here and there but i think he's been playing pretty well 
battle stepping in and getting more snaps than, than Nick Scott now. So, I mean, I, this week in the matchup, you know, Pittman, you talked about Pierce, et cetera. Um, this secondary holding up against the indie offense. How do you, how do you feel about that? Because they're young back there are the Bengals. Yeah. I mentioned Pierce first because obviously you see ties, but Pittman is the number one receiver. He's more heavily featured. He's having a really good season, obviously you mm-hmm. you a, a C boy. So I, I know mm-hmm. your thoughts on mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, two, two very good receivers. I think the biggest, um, improvement in the Bengals secondary has been the ta- has been the tackling part of that um is obviously Jordan Battle play more than Nick Scott I think Mike Hilton has also improved as the season went on he was not doing great in both coverage and run defense to start the season but he's been very solid he's looked like his normal self as the season has kind of worn on I think Dax Hill is still more times than not solid there are a couple times when he may get lost in some of those deep coverages and whatnot but this is still his first year starting and DJ Turner like I, I think he started the year off so at, at such a high level that it's almost created these these weird expectations where you're like, oh yeah, he's still a rookie cornerback and he's going to have his lapses. So it's a lot of different things kind of all combining together. And obviously when you don't have Cam Taylor Britt out there, it makes the secondary worse. But I think uh, Chidabe Wouzier playing like his most snaps in the past two weeks now that he's fully healthy and he has to play because Taylor Britt's not out there. I think he, he, he did all right against Jacksonville. So th- there's hope that he can continue kind of playing at his normal level too, but it's it's still a unit that's battling, you know, various things, and I think the results have not been great as they've all kind of combined together. But in like you just look at it from an individual perspective, like they're, they're all decent, to, decent to good players. It's just that they do have mental lapses. Like one or two guys might have a bad play, and it leads to an explosive play, and it's up to the quarterback to find those opportunities. But obviously, Minshew is not afraid to throw the ball down the field, and obviously, Pierce and Pittman. Our guys that can jump over any cornerback, so there's there's going to be opportunities for the rest of the season for you know opposing offenses to kind of take advantage. Well, the the Bengals have to continue to prove that they um, are for real with a backup quarterback, and if they will make a playoff push, this is one of those games that is sneaky tough. And um, you know, it, uh, you know, you look ahead to the, of course the Steelers and the Chiefs and all of that, but this is one that you if you were overlooking it, I don't know why you would be, especially right now. So right. Yeah. Right now uh, I'm going to look up the line here, but uh, how are you seeing this one playing out for the, the, the Bengals in this one? I mean, we talked about the keys. I mean, do you have a, do you have a prediction outcome? What are we, what are we thinking? I believe it's minus one for the Colts right now, which is a very unique one considering that they're on the road. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it is minus I, one. Per- I don't. I don't know, man. Like I, I think, obviously, there was a lot of promise with how the offense evolved under Jake Browning against a really good team. I think the Jags have some issues on defense in general, though. But I also think that the environment and the setting it, it just created a perfect storm for Cincinnati to kind of do what they like to do. But now you're back on, you know, an, an ugly 1 p.m. game against you know a, a team that's not very exciting, but it's still it's still solid, and you still have to absolutely respect them and. I think the fact that you have a better, more well-rounded defensive line going up against Jake Bryan, and I don't know how many times that they can hide him and the offensive line uh, against them. I think if Joe Mixon and Chase Brown go off in this game, I, I would say the Bengals win, and it's definitely a possibility that that happens considering how porous the Colts are against the run, but you know, there's there's a lot that they have to prove too. Like it's not it's not a consistent run running offense by any means necessarily. So. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to the offensive line because DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart and uh, Samson Abicom, like they're all really quality players that can that can create some problems. So 
I don't think they, I don't think they score thirty four points. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bengals score. I'm gonna say nineteen, and the Colts. I'm gonna say the Colts Colts score twenty. So the, they'll push that line. Okay, so you got the Bengals barely barely losing there. Um, I, I'm really tempted to pick the Bengals to win here, but I, I need to see like you. I need to see more. I need to see I need to see this being kind of a consistent thing in order to continue to kind of keep picking them. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think it's going to be a close one. I don't think it's going to be a 34-31 type of thing. Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be more like, you know, 23-21, uh, maybe, maybe in favor of the Colts. The Bengals could do the same thing and, and flip that score in their favor. I could see that definitely happening. There's not a route where I say, you know, the Bengals, no way they're winning this game. And, you know, that's not how I'm feeling about it. I just – I waver on what we talked about earlier, if it's a fluke or if it's a trend, what we saw this last Monday, because a lot of important players for the Jaguars left last week. Um, right. You know, wide receiver Christian Kirk left first, what, first play of the game, right? Um, and then Lawrence leaves late in the game. And so you go, wow. I mean, but at the same time, the Bengals did make quite a bit, quite a big statement that week. And, and this is a winnable game. It'll be a tough game. It's a winnable game, but um, you know, it's just a matter of how much can you carry that momentum over? How much did you expel emotion wise in that game on Monday night? And then it's a short week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's one day less than you normally get to recover and, and rebound and all that kind of stuff. So um, I can see this going either way right now. I'll say Colts barely, uh, you know, beat the Bengals in a, a small one possession game, but I could see it going the other way for sure. The Colts, though, this is this is always this is always that week four preseason game that we don't get anymore because the preseason is shortened. But yeah, that's right. Nice, it's always nice to meet our our I seventy four rivals up there. They're an, they're an interesting team this year. They are an interesting team, and they've quietly put together a, a talented roster. They don't get talked about a lot, but they've got they've got some talented pieces around that roster. Um, let's drop the mic and get on out of here for a nicely timed show. We're keeping it. Uh, 45, 50 minutes. You got to like that. John, what do you have for us on our way out the door? I'm just kind of curious from, from our listeners and our audience, um, because I wrote about the Orlando Brown celebration and the, the statement that he made towards the ESPN personnel who didn't pick the Bengals to win. Um, I, I, like, I'm, I, I tried to do my job as best as I could but I'm curious, is, is jackass like actual like profanity that you have to label like warning mild profanity? I didn't want I didn't want to seem like a dweeb being like, oh, warning, he says a bad <laughs> word here, but it's, it's jackass. Like, I'm curious, like if you're reading an article and you're you're watching it at work, are you are you afraid of like jackass being like blared out of your work speakers? Like, are you afraid of your superiors like hearing that? Do I have to put the mild profanity in there or is that just is that something that, that kind of that checks the box? Did you get pushback on it? Did you get pushed? No, back we, on no, I, I, I didn't want it. So I, I put in like warning mild profanity in there just to avoid any complications. Eh. But again, I felt like I felt like such a nerd doing that. So I'm just curious. I, you know, John, you are, as you know, over many years in this doing this show and writing, I think you're always better just to cover yourself. Right. Do uh, do a little CYA. I don't really I mean, I don't really I wouldn't really want my six year old hearing that that. <laughs> Uh, that word overly often but i don't really view it in the same vein as many other profane words but uh i mean whatever and, and you know obviously espn didn't feel the need to 
bleep that out when they uh, when it happened, right? Because there's a delay in the telecast to to what we see. So they had an opportunity to, to potentially bleep that out, and they didn't. So um, you know, I don't think I don't think it's a big deal. That's that is a good that is a good debate, though. That is a good debate. Um, I don't I don't have too much other than uh, I don't know if you saw this, John. There's been some news that recently came out about Hayden Hurst. Um, yeah. He's got he got like some sort of concussion and then had like uh, was it post I, I forget what they labeled it but basic video. yeah he had some memory loss already uh, shortly after that and a guy who you know was a fan favorite in his one year in Cincinnati uh, helped them get pretty far last year parlayed that into a nice contract for himself um, you know that's kind of a scary scary thing so best wishes to him on that, you know, that's, that's one of the ones you can't, you can't mess with in terms of injuries and you don't want to play around with that. Never seen that before, at least reported for an NFL player, but he's already been through, he's already been through so much. So hope, hope the best for him, man. Yeah. Hope the best for him. Thank you everybody for tuning in and checking out the show, whether it's live or after the fact, appreciate your support of the show, John, as always appreciate your insight, my friend, we will be back to talk more Bengals uh, on this channel and many of the other shows on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. As I mentioned, you can check out our YouTube channel. Go subscribe underneath John there, underneath that Cincy Jungle icon. Click that show icon to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when new content is all up, when we're going live, all that stuff. And of course, subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer. Keep it to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, podcasts, and of course, you got to go check out what John's doing over at A to Z Sports and uh, his work on the Bengals and the AFC North. John, have a good rest of your week, bud, and we will uh, we'll talk soon. All right, see you guys.